Iceberg Podcast. I'm Ashley Nickel with the Packer and PMG, and today we bring you an interview between our editor-in-chief Tom Karst and Michelle Granger, Executive Director of the North Carolina Sweet Potato Commission. She joined the commission in August of 2020, and before that she served as Managing Director of the North Carolina State University Executive Farm Management Program. So Tom talked with Michelle about her time so far at the commission, the challenges and opportunities she sees for the state's sweet potato industry, and the 60-year anniversary celebration of the commission this year. Without further ado, we'll turn it over to Tom's conversation with Michelle. This is Tom Garst of the Packer, and I am visiting this afternoon with Michelle Granger, Executive Director of the North Carolina Sweet Potato Commission. Michelle, good to see you. Nice to see you, Tom, and thanks so much for inviting me to chat with you today. Well, it's been, it's our privilege, and uh, you're coming into the industry, uh, and uh, I've, I've seen part of your TED Talk, and so it's impressive that you have this passion for agriculture. Um, describe a little bit about your background and perhaps how you came to the, the commission about a year ago, or less than a year ago now. But uh, that, That's right. August of 2020 was when I joined the commission, so I haven't quite made it to my uh, first 12 months yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. And my passion for agriculture uh, goes way back, even though I was born and raised in Cary, North Carolina, which makes it a little hard for people to, to wrap their heads around uh, that. But both of my parents were raised on family farms in southeastern North Carolina. So growing up, visiting grandparents meant going back to the respective family farms. And my father actually started an agriculture chemical company when I was around eight or nine years old, and he did so out of our family home. So every meal, every time the phone rang, uh, it was all about agriculture and, and business. And I learned truly firsthand just how integrated and how important agriculture is to all of us, whether we are employed in it or not, if it weren't for agriculture, we would not have what we have as a state, much less as a country. And, and so I learned that firsthand. And then having the great pleasure and honor of working at NC State as a member of the faculty and staff for 20 years, of course, as a land-grant institution that was founded on agriculture and engineering, I saw even more so how uh, connected we all are to agriculture and how dependent we are for agriculture. And and, and working in the space of innovation, which is what I was doing at the university, really allowed me to tie together those passions and intellectual interests and uh, a commitment to, for sure, the state and hopefully in some ways the country as well of in, uh, helping advocate and educate the regular consumer who may not have had the opportunity to have the exposures that I've had. Yeah, what a, what a background. And describe some of the things that you did at North Carolina State. What were some of the projects that you worked on there? Well, I had two primary projects uh, by the time I uh, left the university to come to the commission. And they both were full time uh, and, and kept me on my toes hopping. One was that international research center that looked at innovation management and specifically how to help organizations grow their top line utilizing innovation practices. 
The other uh, project that I was involved in is a program called the Executive Farm Management Program, which was an executive education program that was created specifically for the modern farmer across the Southeast to acquire business skills and acumen that they may not have been naturally exposed to in their fields of study, but they definitely are forced to understand uh, the ins and outs of how it works due to the nature of farming today. Farming today is big business and it is no matter the size of the acreage of the operation, it is still very much a business. And if you're in specialty crops, you have even more of a business because you have labor that you must consider in addition to all the other input costs and pressures. And, and so this executive farm management program was very exciting for me because it allowed me to really pull together the strategy and innovation tools that I've been working on and convey them to pretty darn impressive uh, producers across the Southeast in all different commodity representations and help them grow and change their businesses along the way. That's very fascinating. And I'm sure all the North Carolina potato industry was, sweet potato industry was, was excited to, to see you and kind of imagine you and, and your role that you have now. What was that like as you decided to go to the commission? And, and well, you know, I, I, I do think that there's a definite connection as to how all of that came into the play. And because the program was started uh, as a pilot in 2017 with a focus specifically on tobacco and sweet potato producers of North Carolina only, before we expanded to the Southeast, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of our sweet potato producers and get to know them. And then as we expanded across the Southeast and the program continued, those original alumni of that pilot class uh, made fantastic referrals to their colleagues. So when it was all said and done, I had uh, had the real honor of meeting so many of our great producers here in North Carolina. And when the position uh, became available, they reached out to me, which I can't think of a more humbling and honorable uh, position to be in. And, and I was truly touched, particularly because I do have such a passion for this industry as a whole and to be recognized by individuals who wanted me to help lead them specifically uh, was a, a real um, ego booster for if no other reason. And then when they actually selected me, I, I couldn't believe my good fortune. I, I tease people all the time. I just pray they never come and take my keys because I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving every bit of it. Well, I was going to ask you, of course, you came into the role during the pandemic and it's been such a a year plus, I guess, of having the pandemic uh, kind of hang over everybody's heads. But uh, what has it been like since you've been at the commission and uh, have you enjoyed what you've been able to do, even though somewhat limited with the pandemic? Of course. Right. Well, you know, it's um, it's quite something to change careers so radically and to do so during a global pandemic. And when you change careers and go into a field that uh, harvest is such a big part of that field and you do your career change at the start of harvest. So when I came in August, uh, it was wild <laughs> and it had nothing to do with, with anybody not uh, successfully representing their own operation or the industry as a whole. It was just the nature of where we were. And I hit the ground running and I have been running ever since uh, only because 
I, I'm truly so excited and I'm, I have such a hunger for knowledge of learning to make sure that I represent our growers, our packers, our shippers to the fullest of my capabilities. And there are many nuances of this very uh, intricate industry that I think a lot of people don't realize. I know I certainly didn't until I was sitting in this seat and it has enabled me to ask lots of questions. I've done so by Zoom uh, meetings, lots and lots of Zoom meetings, just so I could meet folks. But uh, our farmers have been very gracious to allow me to come and visit with many of them at their operations, respecting social distancing right. and safety, but allow me to meet them in person and more importantly, to see their operation firsthand and for them to share with me what they hope that the industry can do in the future and what they would very much like to see me in my role do. So that, that's that been quite helpful and um, and has helped my learning curve significantly. Well, Michelle, I was going to ask you about the industry. I, I talked to a couple of folks this week about, um, you know, the the current season, and it sounds like it's going pretty well, though, uh, the, you know, transplanting getting not too far away for that. And uh as you think about the industry and the challenges they face, what are some of the things that you hear about and uh, and your members talk about? Oh, for sure. Well, it almost always starts and stops with labor. And uh, now as we have even more labor shortages uh, across the state and country as we're seeing right now, uh, it's even more top of mind. Although most of the labor that uh, our growers rely upon are through the H2A program. And, and so the issues that we are experiencing with uh, border and immigration and the political uh, elements that are all taking place, that, that, that is adding more pressure to, to our growers, not to mention uh, the politics around the wage rates and and the documentation that's required. So that's that's always uh, a, a first bullet and and one that we we stay on a lot. And shortly and closely thereafter is weather. You know we can't control the weather, but yet we are ever so reliant upon the weather and the weather working in our favor. Last week. I was hearing how dry it was and the wind was blowing and, and what a nightmare it was. And then by the end of the week, we had hail in the eastern part of our state. And that was damaging to many crops. Sweet potatoes fared okay, but our grow most of our growers are very diversified in what they produce. And, and so other elements uh, and um, divisions of their operation were in, impacted by that. And because sweet potatoes here in North Carolina are, we have a large portion of our industry that's exported, the international politics also play a, a huge role of concern. We're very appreciative that right now the EU retaliatory tariffs are on hold. We are very prayerful and, and hopeful that all the negotiations that are taking place will be successful in the end and so that the, that hold is becomes a permanent hold versus a temporary hold. But come summer, that, that will um, have a very negative impact if it's not successful. So, you know, those are the three areas that mm -hmm. I am uh, spoken to quite frequently about. Mm -hmm. And the labor is something that I guess is as people manage their H2A programs and then as the 
paperwork gets done for them or not doesn't get done for them. I'm sure it case by case how how much they're in distress about the labor. But uh, any any uh, thoughts, I guess, about where labor goes from here in in general? I know you're advocating for your growers. Uh, I suppose the, the reliance on H2A will only increase, it sounds like, in, in many areas. What, what, what's your I, I sense? Would, yeah, so it's, um, I'll start with, yes, I agree. The reliance on H2A will absolutely increase. And yet, as our leaders in uh, Washington make decisions on the wage rate and how that is determined, in addition to the fees associated with the H-2A program, that adds significant pressure and honestly threats to any of us who are in specialty crops and particularly produce because many of our neighboring uh, competitors outside of the U.S. do not have the labor input that we all have here and particularly in North Carolina uh, being so focused on specialty crops as we are, that that is is a a real pressure point that we are continually advocating for and trying to educate our leaders who uh, sit in positions of of influence to further educate their peers uh, where those decisions are being made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got a, a commodity in sweet potatoes that has kind of been on a hot streak, been increasing in popularity and um, doing real well, as you said, in export markets. Uh, um, what what's the potential to expand demand even further? What do you see for the the market on the demand side? I guess on sweet potatoes. Well, you know, I think uh, every challenge has a silver lining, and uh, the silver lining for the pandemic, at least one of them, has been the new uh, resurgence of focus on health food and eating healthy and certainly uh, how how to cook at home more often than what we had been doing perhaps as a a general society. So from an opportunity standpoint, I see green fields for days, uh, literally of of what we can be doing and, and the directions that we can take. I think the value add Uh, market space is only going to increase, particularly as food science and innovation uh, continues to help push us in that direction. Uh, As consumer awareness grows in the knowledge of the nutritional benefits of our great superfood that we have, um, and the fact that it doesn't have to have marshmallows on it. It doesn't have to even have brown sugar or cinnamon. Actually, sweet potatoes can be quite savory and they lend themselves to all kinds of international cuisines where they work very beautifully with uh, those different flavor profiles. So as we continue to educate the consumer on the ability to expand their palate of how they might consume sweet potatoes, that is an incredible opportunity as well. And certainly in the international marketing uh, space, we're we're already diving into new markets. You know, I believe you and most of your readers are probably aware, we are very fortunate to have a significant partnership with the Department of Ag. And through that partnership, they, we're working together to uh, just this year, go and do some new market research with the UAE and perhaps some other countries in the Middle East. 
Uh, we are continuing to work on our efforts in the EU and the UK to expand uh, how we reach those consumers. And we are actually uh, investing quite a bit in this coming year with uh, Footprint in Denmark. So, you know, there, there are so many different areas or avenues, lanes that one can take. And it's really exciting from where I sit to, to have all of these conversations and to see them come together. That is exciting. And you probably would like to book a few uh, trips over <laughs> to those countries. Well, and I'm sure that's going to be coming at some point, right? It, it, it will be coming. I keep being promised by all of our, our partners internationally that uh, they are just waiting for the day for me to get on a plane. I have a current passport that is very anxious to receive stamps. And <laughs> we just, we have to get past the point where it's going to be safe to, to travel and, and make it uh, feasible to do so. But as soon as that day comes, my bag will be packed and I'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's, that'll be fun. Um, even in the, in the U S here with all the shows. That it, exactly. There, there are so many shows that uh, I've missed out on in this first 10 months of tenure because of COVID domestically. And I, I can't wait to dive in as soon as, mm -hmm. as, soon as those resurface in person. And uh, finally, I guess, Michelle, as you, as you think about your, your stamp on the commission and kind of maybe the marketing messages and the communication and things that you're trying to accomplish, what are, what are some highlights perhaps for this year? And, you know, as you, as you look forward. Well, I, I can't necessarily say that it's my personal mark, but this year is a big year for the commission in that it's our 60th anniversary. Mm. June 30th of this year is the technical birthday, but we are taking advantage of stretching it out all year long. And uh, I'm really excited to be coming in to the commission with such a milestone. Not, not many commodity groups are able to uh, experience such longevity and particularly with such health and structure as the commission has had. And so to be able to celebrate that and to celebrate all the who helped make it possible is, is very exciting. It's also the year, according to the UN, of international fruits and vegetables. So I think those two things align very nicely together. And, and I feel uh, very fortunate to get the tag on to both. We have tremendous efforts going forth in curriculum and STEM oriented specifically curriculum to introduce future generations to the sweet potato well before they start becoming shoppers themselves. And uh, I'm very proud of that. Uh, so that's one space. We're, we're working with retail registered dietitians. That's another area that we are really expanding on. And again, tying back to consumer awareness of, of health and healthy eating. We're trying to build a community of RDs that we can uh, trade and, and collaborate with uh, going forward. So, you know, I, I think uh, a new hashtag that we have started, which we're using uh, quite frequently is eat sweet NC. And, you know, having the opportunity to represent the leading uh, producing state in the country, as well as the uh, lead exporter of the country of the sweet potato and, and coming up with new and creative ways to raise awareness of, of such leadership and the value of it, it is, is really an honor. And I'm continually thinking 
what is that messaging and, and how do we go about doing it? Uh, a lot will be coming forth in the next six to seven months, all around the 60th anniversary, mm-hmm. building upon opportunities to further make that message louder of the premium North Carolina sweet potato and uh, the uh, incredible growers that we have uh, ensuring that this superfood that comes to your plate in many forms and fashions uh, is, is done so with the highest integrity, utilizing the most advanced technology and innovation and knowledge from research and uh having the most flavorful sweet potatoes available. What is it? What is the remarkable anniversary? 60 years. That's, that's incredible. And uh, it's always, uh, it's always good to hear um, just a positive accomplishment, accomplishment like that. And uh, Michelle, thanks for letting us get to know you a little bit. And uh, thanks for your insight today. Oh gosh, thank you so very much. And I uh, really appreciate this opportunity and I encourage everyone to keep eating their sweet potatoes and check out our website, uh, ncsweetpotatoes.com for inspirational recipes and more. Very cool, thanks. So that was Tom's conversation with Michelle. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Come back to us next week for another episode, another great produce conversation. And we'll see you next time on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast.